Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores, where if you've been uh, riding your grill hard and putting it away wet and mm. need some updates and parts, Fratelloni's will take care of you. Brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 641. A sad day for me. June Why? 21st. Why? 2021. 95 degrees was the high on this day. That was in uh, 1910. 1910. <laughs> okay. And it uh, was 39 degrees as recently as 1992. 39 degrees wow. was the low. And uh, the kids probably would not have been swimming, but maybe it warmed up later that day. And you were swimming on a beach kept free of muck and weeds by Aquaside. They have great products. White Bear Lake Company. Those products are easy to use and they work quickly. They're registered with the EPA and DNR. There is no need to let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. Call Aquaside. They'll help identify your problem and make sure you get the right products. Call Aquaside at 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. What is this gavel business? Are you happy or sad? I can't tell yet. Hear ye, hear ye. The annual conclave of the Royal Order of 21sters thus begins. Oh, my God. For some of us who are not normal people, this day represents the beginning of the end. Hmm. We'll lose more than three minutes of sunlight. Why do you do this? By the end of June. More than three minutes by the end of June. Normal people believe it's the start of summer, the summer solstice. Members in good standing of the Royal Order of the 21sters Understand that this is the beginning of the end. From here on out, well, not tonight, basically, but in a couple of days from now, the days get shorter. You poor soul. Shorter and shorter and shorter until until we'll reach days that feel like today. We've gone from a string of 90s to a day-to-day that feels just like about October 15th. It should be this weather Every single day of the year. Harumph! No, Harumph! I want, some, Harumph. I want a little 95 oh. in here, By the way, Friday night, we were playing out in Milroy, and it was light out until almost ball 10 story. o'clock. Well, yeah. Town it was story. really cool. Is that a town ball yeah, story? Yeah, that's a town ball well, story. No, but here's why I bring it up. Rook, yeah. here's how I know I'm going to get you involved in a town ball. Guess what their meal of choice was at the Milroy Irish Ballpark? Uh, a guacamole pepper jack cheeseburger. Oh, that would Gross. be pretty good. It was oh, be pretty good. unbelievable. I thought you were going like Mulligan Stew or something like that. <laughs> oh, Such, Such, I was, was accidentally proprietary this morning when uh, Jason, my Auntie Jason, brought this up. Um, um, the fact <laughs> that today Jason. is the first day. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, well, essentially, winter starts today. That's right. <laughs> and he was all on board with that. Yeah. I'm, I, maybe he's a 21st-er. I just, maybe. I don't know why you guys do this to yourself. It, well, it is self-flagellation, under- isn't it? I understand the December part because you're trying to you're trying to push it forward. Well, that I get. That's a happy. Day. But this one is. Well, I would just disregard it and just go with the December one. No, this is the the twenty firsters out there know what I'm talking about. I guess. I, I I we normally don't get into the affairs of the transgendered 
community, do we? Oh, that's got to get this guy right here. Get the horn. Get the horn. No, that's, uh, we can't win with that one. No, but I, I, I want to say something on the behalf of women, <clears throat> biological women. Uh, a New Zealand weightlifter, transgendered weightlifter named Laurel Hubbard, now a female, to become the first transgender athlete to compete at the, at the games in Tokyo. Hmm. How can this possibly be fair? This Laurel person looks like she could lift a house. I would be crying foul. I for sure would be I crying mean, foul. She, there's no way a biological female has a chance against this person. Her, her, her picture's all over the interwebs. She's huge. Um, why can't... Competed as a male until 2013. And then uh, is now highly ranked in the world. And uh, she's 16th in the world rankings. As, as a male or female? As a female, apparently. Yeah, she's currently 16th in the world rankings. And all I'm saying is, fine, be a transgendered weightlifter, but there ought to be their own class. I was just going to say, it's not, I don't think it's politically it. incorrect to have a trans, I'm a, 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 a trans division. Well, this LBGTQ is, re- this is trans. ridiculous. This, this reminds me of uh, watching the Olympics back in about 1960 when the Polish team trotted out some people who obviously had been experimented on with, in a castle with lightning bolts <laughs> over the top of it because they were the size of a house. Yes. I just, I just watched Young Frankenstein this morning. <laughs> what That's knockers. ironic. I'm, I'm done with this topic. I'm not going to dwell on it. It's nothing I can solve, but I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking that is horribly unfair. Horribly yeah, I, unfair. I, if you had trained in and your it, division. And right here in Minnesota High School, uh, track and field, I don't think it's fair to biological females to have to compete with a transgender no. runner. No. It's not fair. That is a special thing. Give them a special. We got the trans. You're in the trans race. Although, you're going to have to correct me, or maybe GLers can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I've heard stories about high school boys wrestling that allows women to wrestle um, in that class. So, from what I, if I remember right, yes. I've heard stories I have too. about young lads wrestling young gals. Well. Let's move on. It's out of our bailiwick. Boy, what if you get beat, huh? There's nothing I can I can really do. Well, Did well, Jenny beat get... you, Jim? Come on. <laughs> There's well, some razzing after that match. That, that's no, that's totally possible, Rook. Oh yeah, yeah. my my brother-in-law, um, he had to wrestle a female. I think his junior year of high school, and he and he says, "What are you going to do?" You know, he he had to go through the match, but he just felt uncomfortable the whole time. So I get it. Mm-hmm. Hell, I tried you. my hand at wrestling in high school, and a 90-pound weakling beat me. <laughs> I had no shot. Is that when you had the big afro, too? I want to read you an email <laughs> called A Comment on Police Reform. Hi, Joe. This is your resident police officer here who has written a few times this year regarding police topics. I, us- I typically do not sign my emails as I am still working and therefore need to remain anonymous. This time I will have a moniker at the end to provide some sense of identity to my emails. There's been a great deal of talk about police reform at the national and local level this past year. The Minnesota State Legislature is now in special session with police reform as one of their major topics. I want to make a comment about this. According to Bureau of Justice Statistics in 2018, 
The police had contact with 61 million people in the U.S. Yes, you are reading that number correctly. 61 million. 2018 was the most recent year I found data for. However, that number is not unusual. Between 2011 and 2015, the annual police contact with the public ranged between 53 and 63 million people a year. Hmm. Every year, there are about a half dozen high-profile cases that are presented as typical in the way police treat people, especially those of color. The recent shooting in Uptown involving the U.S. Marshals is now the most recent example of the media and politicians pouncing on the opportunity to criticize and demonize the police in a high-profile incident. As you have pointed out, not one politician has expressed any support for law enforcement in this case. The media coverage is certainly doing its best to make the suspect in this case appear as an innocent victim, despite the BCA providing information, a gun, shell casings that were found at the scene, and officers responded to the suspect shooting at them. The suggestion the cops shot the suspect for no reason at all is ludicrous. A little-known fact about officer-involved shootings is this. Cops involved in shootings typically quit working in law enforcement within seven years of the event. The stress and anxiety from being involved in such a traumatic incident weighs so heavily on cops who have killed someone, they eventually end up leaving a career they once loved. Many cannot bear the thought of having killed someone, much less being put in the position to possibly take a life again. Let me pause. You recall that very dramatic video of the police getting fired upon by the two kids who yes. broke away from their yes. their residential home, and you hear the one cop saying, don't, don't make, make me, me do, do this, right. please, right. please, don't make me do this. Uh, the reality is nearly every, uh, let's see, many cannot bear the thought of having killed someone, much less being put in the position to possibly take a life again. The media and politicians like to portray cops as cold-blooded killers. The reality is nearly every single one would do everything possible to never shoot anyone as no one wants to live with the burden of killing someone's father, mother, daughter, son, friend, etc. In my 32 years of law enforcement experience, I've never met anyone who wanted to take a life. One thing we are seeing with the Uptown incident brings to mind a line from Shelby Steele's excellent documentary, What Killed Michael Brown. By the way, I cannot recommend this documentary high enough. Mr. Steele talks about the Michael Brown case and described it as an example where the truth became a lie and the lie became a truth as various political and media-driven narratives were given more credence than the actual facts of the case. That is beyond unfortunate. Each day we are seeing politicians wanting to push through police reform and defunding plans based on roughly a half dozen events. Despite the fact there are over 60 million other police contacts annually we never hear about. Why are cops not given credit for doing right 60-plus million times a year versus being vilified for the half-dozen or so media sensationalized incidents that often have been twisted and presented through a narrative being pushed by the left? I can think of nothing more wrong or repulsive. Politicians want to change policing based on these half-dozen events, and in most of these high-profile cases, the cops did nothing wrong. Remember, over 60 million people have had contact with the police in some form. There are more than... 700,000 cops in America. Cops are not perfect. They never will be as we are human. They are people who are cops. Who, there are people who are cops who should not be. But again, uh, the pool all departments draw on are humans. If over 60 million people every year are having contact with the police and we never hear anything about the contacts, I'm going to say nearly every single one of those officers is doing the right thing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. My question is this. Why is there such a push to not only reform the police but defund them? 
in every city where there's been defunding, the murder rates are increasing, by the way. Uh, if over 60 million people, uh, 60 million police interactions with the public go literally unnoticed. As you often say, this is an attack on authority itself and the continuation of absolving people from personal responsibility. A few years ago, this started with eliminating fines and overdue library books. Now the politicians want to limit the reasons the police can have contact with you. None of this bodes well. Always keep pushing back, Joe. Signed, the Gumption County Deputy. Ah. Thank you, Gumption County Deputy. Yes. He has very good points on that. That that large number and the minimal amount of reports that you get is very interesting. That reminds me of a a tweet that uh, Philippe Cunningham made last week. Right. Regarding um, the Minnesota National Guard, quoting Philippe, when we ask military to come manage civilian issues, we are asking people who are eager for war to occupy our city. He's an embarrassing fool. He's an embarrassing fool. If we want peace, we have to operate with and model peace. Nonviolence isn't sentimental. It's a modus operandi and should be integrated in all we do as a city. Philippe Cunningham is a straight-up moron. Mm-hmm. Quite an embarrassment. That's the only thing that kept the peace. Well, Philippe, let me give you some statistics. Uh, Zip made me aware of these. Uh, the hotel rates in Minneapolis oh. are, are making national news. Yes. Because there aren't money hotel they'll, rates. They'll basically pay you to come stay downtown right now. Uh, more news that draws in what was shared in the National Review story about the future of the Twin Cities. Minneapolis now has some of the highest vacancy rates for hotels among the top 25 markets in the country. This is significant for a number of reasons, but is also a direct connection to the crime challenges that keep getting more complicated. The story below is from the Axios Twin Cities site, but also shines a national light on the data. Lower vacancy rates mean fewer people working in hotels. Lost wages. Less money in hotel taxes used to fund Meet Minneapolis. And additional financial pressure on the hotels to be able to pay their costs to operate, etc. The biggest challenge is what it will take to change this trend line and what happens if and when voters in Minneapolis approve the charter change related to police. Uh, The city will become unlivable. How likely will people be to visit or work in the core downtown? And what does this do to long-term places that depend on the tax revenue? You have predicted this as an outcome. The challenge now is will city leaders and others be able to clearly define safety as an issue to allow them a real plan to be created to address it? If not, there are a lot of hotel rooms, a massive convention center, and other venues that will continue to struggle. The Twin Cities had a 42.5 occupancy rate in April and a 43.5% occupancy in May, which ranked 24th and 25th of the 25 largest markets, according to global hospitality benchmarking firm STB. Downtown Minneapolis occupancy was 22% in April and 24% in May. St. Paul's occupancy was 45% and 48% in those months. Yes, but public safety, both real and perceived, is also a factor, said Ben Wogsland, Director of Public Affairs for the trade group Hospitality Minnesota. Some hotel operators are having a hard time getting employees to work downtown. That's why you should look at uh, uh, Centerpoint out in Mendota. Yes. The commercial office park. It's an eight-building campus in a beautiful green, rolling, park-like setting. 
we've been talking about the way people are returning to work. And I got to think many people are returning to work and don't want to return to work in downtown. Oh, they'll welcome you from downtown Minneapolis to Mendota. It's uh, convenient to the airport, highways 55, 62, 494, 35E. Uh, as I mentioned, you're working in a park-like setting. The parking is free. There's no elevators. Everything's single story. You have your own restrooms. The ownership is local. You can, They're here. Yeah, you can customize the office space. You get exactly what you want. Uh, and I say, you know, the parking alone. The parking alone, it's right there. You get your own parking spot in front of your building. You know what you're not doing there when you are officing out of there? You're not looking over your shoulder when you're walking to your car. Yeah, you might be looking to see who you want to have lunch with. Okay. (laughs) For more information, uh, visit Escape to Mendota, one word. EscapeToMendota.com. Change where you work and how you work. Hey, GLers, it's officially mosquito season. If you're getting eaten up in your yard, please call my guys at Mosquito Shield. They are owned and operated by GLers. Fantastic people. Ray and Mike, they are a father and son team who own and operate two franchises right here in the Twin Cities. They've been at it since 2014 and now in western Wisconsin. Listen to this. Jay was so impressed last year by Mosquito Shield ads on GL that he wanted the service for his yard. So he said, heck with it. He bought his own franchise and he is now serving western Wisconsin. These guys are legit. I've had them done in my yard. And here's why it's important. They use a proprietary blend that is specifically formulated to rid your yard of mosquitoes and ticks. It was invented by the founder of Mosquito Shield. They will take great care of you and your yard. Do this right now. Find them online at MoShield.com. That's M-O-Shield.com. Click on the locations in Minnesota and Wisconsin and you'll find them. Or just give Ray and Mike a call at 612-619-1556 for Minnesota Yards. And for Western Wisconsin, you can call Jay or Jack at 715-410-4221. If you mention GL, you are going to get $75 off your service with Mosquito Shield. Latte Schmate. Here's Joe Suchere. Rookie. Tell me about it. <laughs> I grabbed my weed whip, the, the one that almost killed me a week and a half ago. It is an yeah. Echo product that I've had for 22 years. And I wow. added this year, I added the seafoam that I was sent. And I, I can't believe the difference in the sound. You know what's amazing is that we have stories like that from GLers all over the country, but sometimes actually the most believable and interesting seafoam work stories actually come from mechanics, and I love those. Uh, Chris writes that he's been a mechanic for 35 years. He learned about seafoam from an uncle who was a mechanic in the Korean War. He bought his 73 Datsun 240Z in the 90s. It had a blown head gasket and the crankcase was full of coolant. Don't ask me to explain that to you, Matthew. Thanks, because I don't uh, know. But anyway, uh, he drained it, he filled it with oil in a can of seafoam, then it let it sit while he did the body work and repairs. Later, after the repairs were done, he started it, he noticed the oil pressure was low, so he drained the oil again, removed the filter. The filter was very heavy. 
the seafoam had done such a wonderful job of cleaning the carbon in the engine that the filter was clogged with all those years of buildup. Uh, Chris says he's never seen any engine product do such a great job. Thanks, Seafoam. They're a local company. They save us time and money around the globe. Whether you're a guy like Rook who knows nothing about engines or mechanics, it's a wonderful product. It's available everywhere, a great product in a world of bad gas. Seafoam. Jordy alerts me to this. California will spend $500 million this year to thin 33 million acres of forests to lessen the chance of wildfires. After the former president was laughed at in 2018 for suggesting raking the woodland floor. California is set to spend $500 million, that'll be your money, that's government aid, uh, to lessen the chance of wildfires. Uh, Jordy has an idea. Instead of spending a half billion dollars that they don't have, why don't you let logging companies go in, create specific guidelines mm-hmm. for them, exactly, in thinning the trees but still preserving the forest? No clear cutting. Let them take the trees for lumber, which we're in short supply of anyway, right. and then clear some of the shrubbery and rake the floor in return for the free trees. It's a very well, common sense idea. It's not that, being done because you didn't get to create 14 committees. Yeah. And it comes that idea comes from the conservative side of the aisle. So nope. Spotted owl. Are well, we gonna lose Jordy a spotted owl? nailed it though. You guys remember when Trump did bring this up. Yeah. And it was a headline about he hates the environment. Yeah. No, you idiots. That's it. just bring in a helicopter with a giant rake. There we go. Well, what he did occasionally. What he did occasionally is just have some instinctive, correct answer to a problem. Why don't you let the lumber companies go in there? Bureaucrat the hell out of them if you want to. Tell them where they can go. Yeah, right, right. But let them have the wood in exchange for making the forest less vulnerable to wildfires. So it's not going to burn. It goes on everywhere. That's actually a standard practice. I'm kind of dumbfounded that that's not what they're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that goes on all over the United States, where lumber companies bid to take lumber out of public areas. Well, all I know is this, the Daily Mail reported on that. It could be that they didn't do a thorough job. Maybe they already are bidding on that in some cases. But Remember, 33 million acres of forest land. I thought we have ruined well, the earth. Oh, we had a lot of room. We still got some room. About 6% of the United States is developed. You know who, uh, you know who else was right on this subject? Hmm. Ted Nugent. That's right. Remember, he was the one that ripped uh, the government because they wouldn't allow what you just Going explained in that email. <clears throat> well, and again, he, right side of the aisle. So, yep. you know. Well, and here from Howard, a hydroelectric dam, which produces renewable clean energy, is being demolished by the EPA to protect coho salmon. The people of California and Oregon are picking up most of the $450 million tab to demolish something that provides power to them. The irony, of course, is they already experienced rolling brownouts due to inadequate electric grid infrastructure. Now they're going to pay for additional inconvenience. They're being forced to destroy a renewable energy source about which the Greens have been raising a ruckus forever. They value fish more than themselves, proving they don't like people. The article states that the coho are in decline. Fair enough, but it doesn't say if they're in decline just in the river, in the state, in the world, in the universe. We have incomplete data. Reporting isn't what it used to be. 
On the subject of people, the needs of the few outweigh the many. To enforce their less-than-majority will, the left employ one of two methods to get their way. Activism, rioting, and protesting, as we see in Minneapolis or at the Line 3 project, or they go through legislative and judicial channels to make the government, that is the EPA, do their dirty work. We are seeing method number two in action in this case. The good news is that the price of wild-caught coho salmon should go down as the numbers increase. Uh, thank you, Howard. Such, what dam is which dam is this? Because I'm, I want to Google why a fish ladder wouldn't work at this dam. Uh, you this, know is, this is uh, from APNnews.com, California, Oregon dams. Uh, I didn't link to it. Uh, I've got so much I want to talk about today. I didn't. I didn't link to it. But so it's multiple dams, because uh, a lot of places just put fish ladders in, and it's basically a stairway step right. where the fish uh, can still climb up and, and get past the dam. I hesitate to say this. But uh, emailer uh, Fram. Mm-hmm. I missed his email. Do you know what uh, could be in store for us? Hmm. Climate change lockdowns. No. No. Think no. Of, think no. About Wait, it. No. What? No. No. Think no, about it. No. Run me through no, this. Run no, me through no. this. You city folk have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> How far away do I have to move? Can't you see it though? What do you mean? Yes. Like totally. martial law? Yeah. It's uh, going to be 98 degrees on Wednesday. Uh, there will be no automobile traffic. Kenny, give me the name of that realtor, please. Um, <laughs> I'm going to head to Sioux Falls pretty soon here. We can't push back hard enough or fast enough for what's happening. No, we just can't no. push back hard enough or fast enough. It's a blitzkrieg. So Sorry. It really is. <laughs> okay. What, what led him to believe this? What did, what did I miss here? It was a piece he sent me uh, that there's talk of. The, you know, the lockdown works so well to contain the virus that they think no, the lockdown didn't. would run. I know. I know. No, it didn't. <laughs> wow. That's good. Something else to worry about. Wow. But but you know what? You can't. That's totally believable with that's, these power-hungry idiots right. that are running our, our states and our in this country. What was your you, record low? 39 in 1992? Yeah. 39 in 1992. More proof. You know, you know in L.A. they've already formed committees to discuss oh, this. Oh, absolutely. You, you just have to know that. That absolutely. being said, though, they are turning on Newsom big time out there. Uh, I mean, they're, when I was out there a couple of months ago, there are billboards and it's everywhere. They, they hate him right. with a passion. But now that the state has reopened, that push to withdraw him has softened. Right. True, but I don't think he stands a chance to get reelected. Are we having Heather McDonald on tomorrow? Yes, we are. Thank you for reminding me. She is Who that? She has written extensively in defense of police in this country. Mm-hmm. What uh, was her, pe- her piece? I think she's got a book called The War on Cops. The piece that alerted you was It's Open Season in Minneapolis right. in the Wall Street Journal. Right, by Heather McDonald, mm-hmm. who we should have had on ages ago, and I'm really grateful that we're having her on tomorrow. Hey, Heather, you aware of the hotel vacancy rates in Minneapolis? It probably is. <laughs> it's, it's, it is. It's open season. It's just, yeah. it's incredible. By the way, you were mentioning, um, maybe, I think off the air you were saying that the Twins and the Vikings need to get together. You see what's going on in Chicago right now, don't you? I do not. You better, 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 better tell me. Uh, there was a piece. This is in, I can't re- I can't recall what, what publication it was, but uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot um, 
had some had some issues over the weekend there in Chicago, Joe. It was another uh, very deadly weekend in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The Bears are threatening to move really to a suburb. I think some of it is stadium related, but they also the team uh, a team spokesman also cited the rise in violence in that city. They're still in Soldier, aren't they? Yeah, they redid it, well, what, 15 years oh, ago? Oh, it's been They're, redone five mm-hmm. times. Yeah. yeah. They shouldn't be allowed to leave Soldier Field. That That's like leaving Wrigley. That No. That's no, true. Uh-huh. Do you think that the uh, Twins and the Vikings regret the push to move downtown from that beautiful open land out in Bloomington? I guess I don't know. Um. They were trying to be so hip. That's what their problem was. Well, the Vikings' initial plan was what Arden Hills. Yeah, that well, they were going to build that stadium. Well, oh, that ammo plant, right? Yeah. 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 And I know the Twins had thought about um, an outside suburb, but ultimately they just thought that it was too good of a fit to to remain downtown with the access to the bars and everything else that's nearby. Right, but that's a that's a cafe society that is collapsing. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Restaurants are closing. Bars are closing. They're having trouble getting people to work for a variety of reasons, some of which is the federal government's fault because they're being paid not to work. Others are afraid to go downtown. Uh, it's a shame. It's just absolute shame. Yeah, we're not, uh, we're not back to normal yet by far. Joe, you, uh, this is from Bill Miller. You touched a chord with me on your description of the best way to see a fireworks show is on a boat in the water. I relish... The many memories of a pontoon with my wife and children parked on a sandbar, swimming, eating Grunhofer brats and burgers. I could do a couple ads off this email. <laughs> and, and daring to try the rope swing. Then at dusk, all the boats would gather so many that the anchor lights looked like stars on the water. When the mm. show was over, they all just quietly floated away home. One year, the weather was very cool, and we were invited uh, and we invited another family to enjoy the show on the water. But once the fireworks started, the air was so still and the humidity strong, it kept the smoke from moving, and all we could see was a flash and a white cloud. I stood there and laughed my head off at the buildup and st- irony of the situation. I submit uh, to you our classic example. Marine on the St. Croix has always had a show that was the highlight of the year. I'm attracting a few photos. One is taken by a Marine on St. Croix resident on the St. Croix River, and won an award at the state fair. I'm looking at it. It's gorgeous. It shows the epitome of your description. The others on the the others are of the thrilled crowds watching in our downtown, taken by myself. Some would describe it as Norman Rockwell. Uh, as a councilman and volunteer firefighter, I was not be able to be I was not able to be on my pontoon for the show that year. Enjoy and see you at Grunhofer's. Uh, fabulous pictures. That's from uh, Bill Miller. Uh, you can be your own fireworks commissioner. You get to Arcadia, Wisconsin, home okay. of maximum load fireworks. They have the inventory. It's about halfway between Wabasha and Winona. It's nothing. Into Wisconsin. Gorgeous drive. Uh, Bert Hesley is the owner. He's been a GLer all his life, and he's been a pyrotechnic freak all his life. And they have a they have a test. If it What's doesn't the pass their 8 out of 10 scale for awesomeness, it doesn't go on their shelf. It doesn't go on the shelf. But here's the best part. He'll put together a complete choreographed fireworks show for you. Love that. He'll assemble a complete show, including the big finale, so you don't have to worry about picking the right fireworks or organizing yourself and screwing it up. Or listen to the nosy neighbor. Now you're doing it all wrong. 
They got no, a petting we're doing zoo. It all right. Now I maintain that's a theme problem, but maybe it works. Okay. They Get, got a petting zoo. Bring out the fam. So you bring the kids, they're petting some goat, right. and you're in there putting together a wonderful fireworks show. Yes. You can become the fireworks king of your neighborhood. Maximumloadfireworks.com. Better than a good day at work. So by my standards, that means a bad day fishing with a good cigar is probably the best day ever. And the best way to make that great bad day fishing is to get that great cigar from Sodi's. Whew, that was a long way, wasn't it? <laughs> when, when you roll into Sodi's to buy your cigars, you'll find out it's a great experience, a great shop with a huge humidor stocked with a wide variety of cigars, a wonderful smoking lounge, uh, all separated from the purchasing area. And it has a state-of-the-art ventilation system in, so you can go in, smoke your cigar, walk out, and not carry that smell home with you. The only thing missing here is a fishing pond or a creek. Uh, the guys at Sodi's, they have the knowledge to pick out exactly what's right for you. Cigars, that is, not crawlers or minnows. Uh, but if you're an old cigar pro, in that case, look into joining the Sodi's Club. That's a special membership. You receive a personal cigar locker there in the store and a 15% discount on all merchandise. They're located right off Highway 36, south side of 36 on Osgood and Stillwater. It's the last light right before you head over the new bridge. Hang a right on Osgood. You'll see Sodi's Cigar and Pipe immediately on your right. You'll also find them at Sodi'sCigars.com. And when you roll in there, Tell them that the uh, crew at Garage Logic Podcast sent you. This next song is about Kenny Olsen. If he's here, Truth, jump up and down. Justice, and the Souchery. One, two, three, four. Big Backyard, live at the Caboose, a long damn time ago. <laughs> They've been in operation for 50 years. Moon Motorsports in Monticello Back uh, is a family-owned and operated power sports dealer dedicated to us riders here all over in Minnesota. And GLers... We've got an invite for you, Moon Motorsports, inviting the lot of us to the very first annual Moon Motorsports Heritage and Vintage Bike Show on Saturday, July 1st. Uh, excuse me, Saturday, July 31st, dum-dum. Uh, it's brought to us in partnership with the Vintage Japanese Motorcycle Club of Minnesota. You've got to save that date and plan on being there. A lot of cool old iron will be at Moon Motorsports in Monticello the 31st of July. It's a free event packed full of retro and vintage bikes. Also, the BMW Motorrad Heritage Demo Truck. They're going to be on hand with cool, modern, retro-styled bikes that we can all demo ride. Check it out. Win some prizes. Enter your own bike in this contest and ride some cool BMWs. Sounds awesome. It's the first annual Moon Motorsports Heritage and Vintage Bike Show. It's Saturday, July 31st at Moon Motorsports. They're on the south side of 94, just west of 25 in Monticello, and on the web at moonmotorsports.com. Hmm. We were talking about Chicago. I was noting that uh, Evanston, Illinois, which is just right there, right just north of Chicago, mm -hmm. they had a big Juneteenth celebration okay. and a big uh, pride celebration that uh, attracted many people. Okay. But they will not have any Fourth of July celebration citing COVID worries. <laughs> but we had the pride and we had the Juneteenth. Right. No fireworks over the lake. Got it. Okay. I, okay. I also note that Mayor Carter in St. Paul once again will not uh, have a St. Paul-sponsored fireworks display for the 4th of Big July. Big mistake. Big mistake in his uh, okay. administration. At the risk of having coins tossed in the bucket, and I know you're always ready with that button, I have a question. Uh, my gal, Christy Nome, 
governor of South Dakota, mm-hmm. went after President Biden, uh, was it a week ago or two weeks ago? Get the coins ready because we, we talked about this at length. Right, but I think I was gone that day. Oh, maybe he was gone Wednesday. Well, whatever. What's your point? Well, d- so how come the state of South Dakota can't say that we're having fireworks at Mount Rushmore? Is that a federal decision? It's Yeah, because it's controlled by the National Park Service. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. That was my That's question. That's my suspicion. That Yeah, because the National Park Service is who she would have had to uh, get the permit from. And you guys did discuss this yeah, at yeah, length. Yeah, I'm, yeah, so, yeah. I'm sorry. I was not here that day. I think day. that was that Wednesday. Well, the additional, the additional irony in that situation is that she, she fired off the letter to the president— because the president was advocating a wild and woolly 4th of July for the entire country. Mm-hmm. Let's go here. Have your party. Shoot off the fireworks. But not not at Mount Rushmore. <clears throat> right. Not in a conservative state. Because no. San, Di- or San Diego, because South Dakota has been yeah, ex- bucking the trend in that regard mm-hmm. ever since the right. COVID epidemic started. So, Suits, you brought up Evanston. I had to see if Chicago was bringing back the Grant Park 4th of J- uh, July celebration. And they are. Good. Uh, it was canceled last year, but boy, um, if, if you've never seen a big one, that, that is Grand cool. Park. Oh my goodness, that, that is very is a cool. Big, big one. Yeah, yeah. If you want to take your life in hand, yeah, that's right. true too. Yeah, you got to factor that in now. But yeah. what was neat was we were out there last year for the Fourth of July, and Mount Rushmore did not have fireworks, even though the president flew in. Um, the night before, right. but everyone else around it wasn't shy about it, lighting them off. It, it may very well be. Uh, well, I, I suspect, of course, it's a political decision, but it also might very well be. Are they experiencing drought? Oh yeah. Well, yes. I mean that that's a danger. That you is know. true. You know, you could, uh, we had two intense downbursts. On my block yesterday. Mm. But it wasn't enough, really, to no. stop the crunchiness. No. You know. How no. did you notice that when you were glued to golf all day? Why well, the Fair. door open. <laughs> <laughs> I was glued to it. I'm glad Rom. I think Rom's a good winner. I like that. It's a good redemption story, is it not? Well, you Based gotta, on what happened two weeks ago? Yeah, he had $2 million taken out of his pocket two weeks ago. Now he's put $2 million back in his pocket. Mm-hmm. You get $2 mil to win the U.S. Open. Ain't bad job. And uh, he's proven that he's a capable winner of majors now. Yeah. I think he will be. You know what I like about hole seven at that course? Oh, you know, <laughs> I haven't even seen it. Reavers <laughs> can't resist telling me every time. I like time to do a, a draft when I when I just draft that ball coming around the corner. The bend we call it yeah. the dog doggy bone. Yeah, well, you can you can have it, Reavers, because uh, I can play the legend in the quarry for a lot less money. I can play the legend in the quarry, legend or the quarry, on the 4th of July, Sunday, July 4th, for $76. When you register for Troon Awards at Giants Ridge. Quarry and the legend, two of the best public golf courses in the country. Uh, What I like, too, is they'll take care of your group. They've got group golf rates for groups of eight or more, so you get your buddies or or your family members, and they'll customize a tournament for you. What about uh, the staff of GL? Yeah, will, will staff they, of GL. They they'll take, they'll handle us. They got a 37-hole special this summer. Play the legend and the quarry on the same day. That's 36 holes of Minnesota's best golf, plus lunch on them between oh, rounds. Oh, now you're talking. At the, at the Wakuda Grill. You better start making those plans. The days are getting shorter here, boss. Yeah, yeah. You noticed that he stopped talking about that, didn't you, fellas? Yeah, I did uh, notice that. He, he hasn't mentioned it in the past uh, few 160 weeks. bucks plus tax on weekdays, $175 plus tax on weekends. And it's more than golf. 
So, you know, rookie, we can send rookie off into the woods to go on a nature hike. Yeah, a little snipe hunt. There's water recreation, biking and hiking, the newest, largest lift-served mountain bike park in the Midwest. View 3D course flyovers of the legend in the quarry at GiantsRidge.com. You can also make your tea time at GiantsRidge.com. Or call Giants Ridge at 218-865-8030. Well, let's do this. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. M-G-L-S, Such. M-G-L-S. Maple Grove Lock and Safe. So we've covered this before, uh, but I'm going to say it again. Liberty Safe, the best safe ever made, and a product of the United States of America, sold in this market by our buddy Rich at Maple Grove Lock and Safe. You can log on to maplegrovelockandsafe.com and see them for yourself. Take the test there. Which one is best for me? But here's the deal with Rich. Don't bypass Rich because he's here to help us. He's going to save us from ourselves, especially when it comes to saving money. Let Rich help us decide which uh, safe makes the most sense for our situation. Sometimes our dreams, yeah, they don't match our needs, and it's always good to have somebody pull us back from the brink. You won't have buyer's remorse when you deal with Rich at Maple Grove Lock and Safe. Full commercial and residential lock and safe services, uh, all size of safes, uh, all sizes of safes, and it won't be long. He'll be doing it in brand new and better digs just down the road. If you haven't had a chance, please log on to maplegrovelockandsafe.com. The mayor of St. Paul, Melvin Carter, this is from the Pioneer Press, and 10 other U.S. cities, St. Louis, Tallahassee, Providence, Austin, Durham, Asheville, Kansas City, Sacramento, Los Angeles, Denver, all Democrats, uh, have pledged to pay reparations for slavery to a small group of black residents in their communities, saying their aim is to set an example for the federal government on how a nationwide program could work. My God. On Friday, the mayor's hat, listen to this sentence. This is what we're dealing with. And if we don't elect a new political class, we are doomed. Mm -hmm. On Friday, the mayor's had no details on how much it would cost, who would pay for it, or how people would be chosen. Let me refer back to the first sentence. But their aim is to set an example. Right. We don't know how it's going to get done. (laughs) They want to set an example for the federal government, how a nationwide program could work, but they don't know how much it would cost, they don't know who would pay for it, or they don't know how people would be chosen. Oh, boy. All of those details would be worked out with the help of local commissions composed of representatives from black-led organizations set up to advise the mayor in each city. But the mayor say they are committed to paying reparations instead of just talking about them. So take my money. I've never owned a slave. And you'd give it to somebody who never was a slave. That's right. How many people own slaves in Minnesota? Do we know? Do we have a total? I don't think there's any right now. I don't think there was. I don't think it was ever legal here, was it? I would do it. I, I don't know, Matt. I'm going to look that up. I don't think you could ever, I don't think Minnesotans owned slaves. No, never, never. While no sum can repay the immeasurable debt, owed, immeasurable debt owed to the descendants of those whose stolen labor built our country, every institution that has 
systemically enforced, sanctioned, or profited from the brutal institution of American slavery must fully engage in addressing its lingering social and economic impacts, St. Paul Mayor, Mayor Melvin Carter said. I am proud to be a founding member of Mayors Organized for Reparations and Equity, alongside mayors from communities across our nation who are united in our commitment to this vital work. Uh, since 1989, lawmakers in Congress introduced a bill that would form a commission to study and develop reparations proposals, but it has never passed. Last year, California became the first state to set up its own reparations commission. That group held its first meeting earlier this month. Friday's announcement marks the largest city-led effort at paying reparations to date, but it isn't the first. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors voted in March to appoint a 15-member African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. That same month, the City Council of Evanston, Illinois, voted to pay four hundred grand to eligible black households, part of a pledge to spend $10 million over the next 10 years. Qualified households would get twenty-five grand to use for things like home repair or putting down payment on a property. Hmm. Last year, the city council in Asheville, North Carolina, voted to approve reparations in the form of investments in areas of disparity for black residents. Okay. The group of mayors, dubbed Mayors Organized for Reparations in Equity, the acronym is MORE, is led by Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcia. Garcetti and Denver Mayor Michael Hancock and includes Carter, St. Paul's first black mayor. Their stated goal is for these reparations to serve as high-profile demonstrations for how the country can more quickly move from conversation to action on reparations for black Americans. Let me be clear, cities will never have the funds to pay for reparations on our own, Garcetti said during a news conference Friday to announce the group. When we have the laboratories of cities show that there is much more to embrace than to fear, we know that we can inspire national action. It's similar to the aim of another group of mayors who have experimented with guaranteed income programs where a small group of low-income people receive cash payments each month with no restrictions on how they can spend it. Okay. You're making black people less than. The first such program was set up in Stockton, California, by former Mayor Michael Tubbs, who was listed as an emeritus member of the reparations group. He's a, he's a big deal, right? Uh, in St. Paul, the city council uh, last week unanimously approved a resolution to form a panel. <laughs> we love panels. We and, love panels and communities yes. and committees. To oversee a one-year effort to guide the establishment of a permanent city commission on reparations. This is so fraught with danger, I can't believe that, that they're that stupid to engage in this. You're going to have people at war with each other. Right. Wait a minute, Johnson. You got the money? Right. I didn't get the I, money. I, right. My history says... Well, and we already saw this with the stimulus checks, mm -hmm. where there were some unstable families where, <clears throat> you know, w w whether dad's not in the picture or mom's not in the picture, then all of a sudden they get a check from the government, and there was so many stories of happy family. people fighting over it. The yes. city council appointed Veronica Burt, <clears throat> community development consultant and social entrepreneur, mm. Traherne Cruz, longtime community organizer and reparations activist, and yeah. Dr. Yohuru Williams, that's a cool name, Yohuru. Yeah, what up, G? Distinguished university chair and professor of history and founding director of the Racial Justice Institute at the University of St. Thomas as conveners of the Reparations Legislative Advisory Committee. 
What's in addition, that word mean? What's conveners mean? To begin, to convene, to begin. All right, all right. In addition, Teresa Cunningham, Lynette Harris, Amber Jones, Benjamin Michi, Nick Muhammad, Jessica Nickrand, Jose Perez, Coolia Pringle, Vic Rosenthal, and Jerry Thomas were appointed to serve on the committee. The panel is charged with leading a one-year effort to lay the groundwork for the establishment of the St. Paul Recovery Act Community Reparations Commission, a permanent commission of the city. B as in B, S as in S. Uh, how is this not racist? Uh, Jordy notes, let's see how this works. They're going to take money from people who never owned slaves and give it to people who never were slaves based solely on the color of each person's skin. Right. And do, is there a degree? Am I 50% black? Am I 100% black? Am I brown? Do I? Do you get less money if you're brown because you've married into a, well, a white how person? Does, how does, even if you do find ancestors that were enslaved um, prior to 1865, how does that affect you now, today? What well, effect does that have well, on your day-to-day well, the, life the right woke, now? The woke left would say that it's colored your life uh, with inopportunity. Here's a quote from Booker T. Washington that pretty sums up what I've clumsily tried to say over the years. Okay. <clears throat> I'm afraid that there is a certain class of race problem solvers who don't want the patient to get well. Because as long as the disease holds out, they have not only an easy means of making a living, but also an easy medium through which to make themselves prominent before the public. That's Mm -hmm. brilliant. Booker T. Washington. That's exactly right. The, The left has never done black people a favor. There's a race industry. A rainbow coalition with Jesse, uh, what's his name? Uh, all you're doing Jackson. with reparations is cementing your base. You're just buying votes. Plus, couldn't Italians and the Irish make arguments that at the very beginning they were treated poorly and unfairly and their labor was, so. was taken from them? Yeah, but very the distinction so. was they weren't property. Well, that's true. Let's repeat the Booker T. Washington quote. I'm afraid, look up Booker T. Washington. How long ago might he have said this? What a prophetic fellow, because he's been dead a long time. I just want to know when he died. Booker T. Washington. Booker T. was, it says 1915? <clears throat> well, we have the Google here. I've if got you it got right it. here. I got it right 1950, here. so he was 44, 54. 59 years old. 59. In what year? He 19. died in 1915. 15. Yes, 1 5. Born in 1856. Okay, so we're dealing with something that's always been dealt with. And, wow, that was a long time ago. And, and Booker T. Washington, whose claim to fame was what? Uh, he wrote the. Um, Green, Green Yondians? No, that's Booker T. and the MGs. You're thinking of Booker T. and the MGs. Uh, you have it in front of you? No. He was an author, an American educator, yep, an and advisor no, to several presidents of the United States. Uh, Tuskegee <clears throat> University. Well, here's Tuskegee. the deal. Tuskegee. Here's the deal. Also, you know, that's where you got the Tuskegee Airmen. Right. Uh, let me let me tell you what what we're dealing with here. So, more than 120 years ago, Booker T. Washington 
saw the irony of people claiming to be race problem solvers. I'm afraid that there is a certain class of race problem solvers who don't want the patient to get well, because as long as the disease holds out, they not only have an easy means of making a living, oh. but also oh. an easy medium through which to oh. make themselves prominent before the public. Does that remind you of anything else currently going on right now? Hmm, COVID? Hmm. Hmm. I do have information about Minnesota's uh, um, role in slavery. Mm -hmm. We fought yeah. against it. We did, but it was allowed. It was not supposed to be allowed, but was allowed at Fort Snelling. Mm -hmm. And of course, the two famous slaves that were uh, enslaved at Fort Snelling was Dred and Harriet Scott, um, and they were enslaved there from uh, 36, 1836 to eighteen forty. They then moved um, with uh, Dr. John Emerson and his wife to St. Louis and had a couple of lawsuits, one of which won them their freedom. But then, of course, uh, John Emerson uh, appealed that, and their freedom was snatched away. But that was after they moved uh, away from Fort Snelling. Yeah, officially in 1858, Minnesota was on the books as an right. anti-no-slavery state. Right. As right. Soon as we, right, as soon as we became a state, uh, even though it was, ironically at the time, legal all over the United States, um, Minnesota said, nope, not going to happen here. I have been made privy of a letter my father wrote to his mother when he was in Calcutta during World War II. Wow. My old man had a slave. For real? Indian Indian males would go to the base and volunteer, not volunteer, and get paid to be, you know, a man Friday for right. all the, for any help. soldier who wanted to hire them. And they'd well, shine their shoes. I know, I'm being somewhat facetious. But they'd shine their shoes and, you know, maybe get something dry clean for them or however it worked, whatever. And he was, he was boasting about this to his mother. He thought it was a hell of a deal. <laughs> and, uh, you know. <laughs> look, at I, look what they're doing for Probably him. Probably wasn't paying him very much, that's for sure. <laughs> no. no. So, uh, evidently, some people on my mother's side of the family came over as indentured servants uh -huh. uh, early on no, in the they had dry history. cleaners, but... You know, um, but they were paid, and then they were paid servants, and then once their tenure—I don't know if it's five years or whatever—was up, they were free to go. Mm -hmm. I learned that <laughs> through my wife's uh, family, the Fairbanks. Shine the shoes. One of the uh, one of the Fairbanks was an anti-slavery guy who went to jail twice because oh. he had freed or, or hid four hundred slaves. Mm -hmm. Well, kind of mm -hmm. neat. I'm afraid that laces tie laces. Is what else did the guy do? Did he? Well, you polish, shoes. I suppose they shined up your buttons. Right, and, uh, know, tarnish, yeah. Polish the buckle and the whole deal. Snacks, brought out a charcuterie board. Polish the buckle sounds untoward, doesn't it? <laughs> well, there's some, some of those guys possibly. <laughs> you know, you're in the middle of Calcutta. I'm afraid that there is a certain class of race problem solvers who don't want the patient to get well because as long as the disease holds out, they have not only an easy means of making a living, but also an easy medium through which to make themselves prominent before the public. Booker T. Washington. How can it possibly serve the city of St. Paul to form a permanent reparations commission? How can the reparations commission even venture into attempting to decide who's going to get the free handout? How can that possibly be? 
Yeah, meanwhile, this is the same outfit that can't it, even keep their city running properly. Can't even it, it, fix a pothole. Right. Any, does it say anywhere what their interpersonal motivation is for this? Is it just to make themselves feel better? Yes. What, yes. What is this? Because is exactly. I don't buy, we are going to be at the forefront, the leaders taking charge when they don't know how much, they don't know when, they don't know how long, they don't know who for. The reason is it's yet another wrinkle as the left continues to invent new ways to be proprietary over black Americans. You know, we're, we're now, now here's what we're going to do for you. Now we're going to come up with reparations for you because we understand your ancestors were slaves. Uh, black people, some black people will turn against this. They'll see the folly of it. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, man. You're taking money from a guy who never owned a slave, and you want to give it to me, and I've never been a slave? But don't you think, though, that the vast majority of those who are woke will absolutely support this? Yeah, but it'll be it'll bankrupt us. What do we care? I mean, <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, the government's been handing out checks for 16 months to people, and it's not ending anytime soon. Joe, there was a story this morning I read. Even... I can't remember if this was a, I can't remember. I don't remember if this was a proposed piece of legislation where people that are coming off unemployment that are getting a job might still qualify for a program where they're going to get a check every week for 180 bucks. Did you guys read this story? No. No. What? I didn't Come on. Are you serious? Here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. <clears throat> this is yet another chapter in the book that is attempting to be written by Mysterians to convince us that the founding of the country was evil, that the founding of the country was flawed, and by this reasoning, why wouldn't women be able to sue or demand reparations because they were kept out of voting and the workplace? So oh, it long. would never stop. It'll it would never, never stop. stop. Because right. if 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 the prism you're viewing this through is the founding of the country, there's no end to the grievances you can come up with. Because at the founding of the country, it wasn't like the country today. Right. right. It was different. And not all of it was great. But the f- core principle of the founding of the country was great. Right. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We had to get a lot of things straightened out about that. But they've been straightened out. But you've got a group of people, the left, Mysterians, who don't want the patient to get well. That's a great quote. They don't want the patient to get well because this is how they're making their living. They're making their living by being employed in the race industry. All these reparation committees, for example, the uh, commissions, they'll all end up with some dough. Whether it's a per diem or a per meeting fee, they'll all end up with money. For doing what? Coming up with a plan to distribute reparations. And 
and that plan will call for the development of another committee to develop another plan for that next committee. It's never going to end. If Booker T. Washington was alive today, he would deserve it. He was born in a hut. He was only allowed to go to school after working from 4 to 9 a.m. each morning in a local salt works before class. It was a second job in a local coal mine where he first heard a couple of guys talking about the um, Hampton Institute, a school for formerly enslaved people in southeast Virginia, founded by Brigadier General Samuel Chapman. Chapman had been a leader of black troops for the Union during the Civil War and was dedicated to improving educational opportunities for African Americans. He had a rough life, and he he rose above and beyond it. No one my age can identify with my black peers. What do you mean? I can't can't fathom why black people were treated the way they were. It's it's unconscionable to me. It's beyond my conscious ability to understand it. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. And so if a, a black guy my age was treated horribly, just in just in my lifetime, right, right, my lifetime. Yeah. You can't use that drinking fountain, sir. You got to go to the back uh, of the bus. Those kids trying to get to the high school in Little Rock, and it, it's just, right. yeah, I don't I don't get understand. it. I'll, I'll never get it. I'll never understand mm-hmm. it. But that has no bearing on why I think paying reparations is folly, because it just. It's it's creating another avenue to condemn the country. The country, despite its faults, is still the best bet you have for the equity of all people. Mm -hmm. It's the best bet in the world that you have. No question. And you are tearing it down. You are diminishing its founding. You are ridiculing it. And you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna kill the goose, the only goose you'll ever know. No matter what race you are, to lay a golden egg. I saw a great tweet over the weekend. It was something to the effect of, if you have access to running water, 24-hour electricity, uh, and a, and what was it? There was a third one there. You are, by definition, privileged, which I thought was just great. Mm. It was so spot on. Well, so, the, the uh, poor people around the world would gladly be poor people in America. No Let's question. Let's put it that way. Right? <laughs> so... Would they be better served um, um, issuing reparations for people that were affected by this in our lifetime? Say, uh, the Minneapolis thing where they wouldn't allow black people to buy houses in neighborhoods, or the St. Paul thing with Rondo. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe Rondo uh, was eminent domain, right? Yep. And they did pay those people. Um, Well, now there's talk of building building that. Now there's talk of... uh, of revitalizing Rondo and, and building some sort of land right. bridge over the freeway. You know, I wasn't right. around and, and, when the Rondo decision was right. made. I wouldn't have taken out the Rondo neighborhood. I remember it. It was vital. Right. It was vibrant. So all I can find about that, and I've been searching, is that, uh, yes, eminent domain was used, but I'm not seeing if they were paid the value of their homes at the time. You know, and, and I suppose if you're a renter, that would really screw you because then you, you just got the boot. You didn't get a check at all. Yep. Um, but eminent domain still being used most recently in my memory is uh, Old Cedar in Richfield where Home Depot and all those businesses now stand near 66th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe that was an eminent domain situation. Mm-hmm. We continue to elect 
to the salon. People who have no intention or ability to manage the nuts and bolts of running cities, but instead have become virtuous breakthrough artists who want to change the way people live or pay people for the way they had to live. And in the meantime, what should be getting taken care of is not being taken care of. Yeah, it's being ignored. Uh, murder rates are going through the roof the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. The defund the police movement is a great example of the thinking in the salon. Authority is being turned against. Kids aren't even expected to, to honor it in a school. And it's just continuing to get worse. Because as America flourished and got wealthy, which was inevitable, I, I think that apparently at least half the American population Black, white, whatever. Didn't pay attention to who was getting elected to office. They had their boat and trailer and their camper and two cars and a color television. And, uh, and uh, they were buying food and everything. They, had, they haven't been paying attention to what's been happening. Mm -hmm. oh, they, they are now. Well, people are awakening. Uh, there's that group in Minneapolis, Operation Safety Now. More are. We need to elect law and order mayors who quit wasting money on 20-person cabinets with job titles that are unmeasurable for success. <laughs> Have you ever heard of one of Melvin Carter's cabinet people? No. I've never seen them uh, in the news. I've never seen them uh, in the newspaper on a, uh, a press release. Nothing. I very rarely see Melvin Carter. One more time. I'm afraid that there is a certain class of race problem solvers. This is, this is in the 19th century. Booker T. Washington wrote this. I'm afraid that there is a certain class of race problem solvers who don't want the patient to get well, because as long as the disease holds out, they have not only an easy means of making a living, but also an easy medium through which to make themselves prominent before the public. Signaling their virtue, right? Their virtue signal. Mm -hmm. My God, he could he could say that today. In fact, it's more true today than it was when he said it. Probably, yeah, it probably is. Man alive! And like always, if you ask any questions about this, you're a racist. You're, yeah. Oh, the hell with him! No, I'm not. Prove it, pal. No, I'm not. Well, we just heard about your dad. I mean. Well, that was in India. Right. That was, that was. But in the day of sound bites and social media, that whether you are or not does not matter. No. 
All right, let's take a time out. How about you tell us about our friends at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats? Well, it's the best in the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where you get your brats and your burgers and your Wagyu steaks. Lay in your supplies for the fourth sticks. weekend. I got a note from a guy today who took the beef sticks out to the golf course, and that was their food break. Uh, I had never thought of that. Haul some of that Grunhofer stuff with you when you when you play uh, when you play golf. Uh, Hugo is functioning at full capacity. The Fourth of July is going to be upon us before you know it. Stock up on the brats, burgers, and of course, if you really want to impress your friends, get the Wagyu ribeye steaks and mm. burgers. Oh man, I'll, I'll share you that GLer uh, recipe. Fire up the grill briquettes, not gas. Cook up Grunhofer's Bloody Mary brats. Grill to perfection, and then insert them into a Bloody Mary. Interesting. That's probably an acquired taste. Yeah. No, I bet that's fantastic. It's I bet probably it an acquired you taste. You have to be a Bloody Mary guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a brat guy. I'm a vodka guy. I'm a, well, you're in. <laughs> it's all there at Grunhofer's in Hugo on Highway 61. A new store could be open up in Forest Lake by, uh, oh, right around the 4th or maybe a little after as Spencer continues to wrestle with the Department of Permits, mm. the mop bucket. Thank mop, God for government. Uh, thank safe. God for government. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. The Diet Coke has been cracked. <laughs> Hear ye, hear ye. A reminder once again to uh, those of us who are in the royal order of the 21sters, don't let your ga- a dauber get too down. No. But uh, this is the day. By the end of June, we'll have lost about three minutes and 12 seconds of daylight. <laughs> well, who's counting? There's nothing we can do about this, my fellow 21sters. Celebrate in any way possible to blunt the emotional wounding of this realization that our summer's over. And we now glide into what we hope to be mm-hmm. harumph, 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 a harumph. long and lingering here, here. autumn that will take us all the way to that mighty day in December when the rest of you people are wearing snowmobile outfits and we will be celebrating the first day of spring. See, whatever gets your, you know, whatever gets you through the night. Speaking of uh, summer, back to the fifties was this past weekend. It was. I I uh, did not get in the gates, but I went out there to just watch. How about this photo that was sent to us by Jennifer? I posted it on the GL Facebook page. I'll put it on Twitter. It's a uh, guy with a. Was it a Studebaker Avanti? Does that sound right? Yes, it does. Uh, University of Garage Logic sticker in the oh, back window. All right, that was right. pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I wish I wish the Fiat still made the 124 Spider because I am really getting. I'm the guy who laments the 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 absence of thumbs up. When you see something right. neat, you should right. give somebody yeah, a thumbs I do. up. Yep. That car's getting them. Really? Because. Nowhere on it, anywhere, does it say Fiat. Nobody knows what it is. <laughs> uh, Wouldn't that help your stock price, too, of Fiat, if they were going to continue to make it, uh, since you and Patrick are investors? I, I've talked to Jonathan Schmelz about this. I'm, I'm grateful that he went out and bought them when he did, because I got one, and I, I hope GLers could get one. Uh, they're, they don't make them anymore. 
but they do have 0% for 60 months on all new Volkswagens at Schmelz Countryside in Maplewood, the southeast quadrant of Highway 36 and 61, a multi-generational family-owned dealership. They don't have 40 stores. Uh, the all-new Volkswagen Taos is in stock. That's a new SUV that is slightly smaller than the Tiguan, but it's loaded with technology and stuff. <laughs> and they have the ID4 electric vehicle models available for June delivery. Uh, it's, I, I just, I've shopped there for years. I will continue to. I love the brands. I love Volkswagens. I've had many. Fiats, I've had many. Uh, Alfa Romeos, I've had a couple. I just love those marks. I think Mark is M-A-R-Q-U-E. I don't know. Uh, great service and great people. Details at SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzAlfaRomeo.com, and SchmelzFiat.com. Only. Only what? Because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa, from our friend Tom Lyman. Mm-hmm. Uh let me just see this what here. Do we got? What's interesting on this date, June 21st? Well, on this day in 1925, noted socialist and labor leader Eugene Debs spoke at a rally in Camden Park in Minneapolis. Praising Russia's Soviet government, he encourages the crowd of 5,000 to support unions and set their sights on industrial democracy. Boy, nothing really has changed, has it? Uh, it no. It really hasn't changed. Uh Kenny had to split, but he would have loved this uh, note. Uh, on this day in 1921, Jane Russell was born in Bemidji. Oh, okay. Jane, Russell. Jane uh, mm-hmm. very busty gal, huh? <laughs> yes. And on this day in, in 1973, the oh. United States Hockey Hall of Fame opened in Eveleth, the oh, capital cool. of American hockey. Does it have the initial class? It does not. Oh. That's, uh, on That's this... the official U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, correct? Mm-hmm. Not the... Well, on this day in 1839, okay, hundreds of Dakota and Ojibwe meet with the U.S. government at Fort Snelling uh, for payments of treaty annuities. While there, they participated in dances and foot races. Okay, I bet that was a people were getting festive along. Atmosphere. It sounded yes, like. yes, sounded like people were getting along. Mm-hmm. Well, enjoy this uh, very cool day. It's very, very fitting that the first <laughs> day a, of fall. There's a, there's a people that got wronged and. You know, reparations possibly for our native friends. Very fitting that this first day of autumn should be so cool. Yes. In fact, it's so cool. How cool is it? it? Well, if you're sitting in your backyard and you're not sweating your butt off like you were the last couple weeks, you can poke around PodMN on your smartphone or on your laptop in the backyard, PodMN.com, and find some of the best podcasts out there having to do with Minnesota. And very entertaining. That's PodMN on your smartphone, PodMN.com on your laptop. And don't forget to subscribe to the Garage Logic YouTube channel. What do you channel. do? You just hit subscribe. It's pretty easy, bro. Go to YouTube, Garage Logic, subscribe. What Boom. does that get Bam. you? You don't have to go to YouTube each time? A couple Snicker bars and a Coke. That's what I thought. And hours of endless entertainment with their YouTube videos. Thanks, bras. Happy summer or fall. Or harumph, harumph. What the hell it is.